0: Welcome to Where There Is Hope. Here we offer inspiration and encouragement from the Bible. With Travis Renfro, I'm John Lindsay. We're glad you're here. You ever have an issue expressing joy? I know I have. I don't always feel great excitement about the weightier things of life. It's, It's almost as if I... I don't know I don't know how to describe it um, it seems to be a sign of disinterest in the topic in in my past because there are things that I get very excited about and sometimes the things that I know I should get excited about I don't um, what about you Travis do you have anything like that that something that you get really excited about and then something that you know you should get excited about that maybe you don't
1: yeah, I've got plenty of examples. Um, just this week, we had some meetings with some of the the another manager in my in my organization, and I'm going over some of the things that I do in my job and and what affects it. And I and I realize that I have been speaking without stopping for a few minutes because uh, I got very excited about the topic and it's something I'm interested in. But then, and I, I, you wince at confessing this, but when it comes to you know sometimes spiritual matters. I'm not as interested and, and not as maybe as excited as I think I ought to be. And, and I really beat myself up over that. I mean, look how I introduced it. I said, I went at confessing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hard on myself about that. And I wonder, you know, was something wrong with me? Why am I not as joyful at this as I should be?
0: Yeah. Joy. Joy is a, a tough thing to express. Sometimes we, We get so wrapped up in the stuff that's shoved at us through every possible media outlet, and we're made to be excited about those things. And I think if it's not flashy and exciting, it doesn't... It it kind of falls out of our mind, and we don't think so much about it. Um, But well, what I'd like to talk about today is to look at what things in the Bible people are joyful about, and um, what we as Christians should be joyful about. I do find that oftentimes it's best to take a step back and consider the good things. So let's start out by looking at Luke chapter 2. And we're going to look at all different kinds of things in Luke chapter 2. So Luke chapter 1 is um, an account of the uh, birth of John the Baptist and the foretold birth uh, well, foretold birth of John the Baptist, foretold birth of Christ, and then the birth of John the Baptist. And then that leads into the birth of Christ in chapter 2 of Luke. And we see a lot of stuff happen. Um, it's a very exciting chapter. And um, really, there's there's a few different things that happen in this, and um, as a short summation of the chapter, it uh, you know, Christ is born, and then it, there's uh, some angels that appear to some shepherds in a field, and then uh, from there, Jesus, we flash forward in time, and Jesus is taken to the temple um, for sanctification, and then later uh, we see... Him at the temple. We're not going to focus so much on the second on that last part of the chapter. We're going to focus really on his birth and the first time he's taken to the temple. So um in verses eight through twenty-one, we see shepherds and angels. And in verse 10, after these angels have appeared to the shepherds, they say. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen, and heard as it had been told them." So I find I find this whole section so interesting because if you think of the role of a shepherd, the shepherd was someone who watched over a flock in a field. That They took care of a bunch of sheep that were out in a field. And it wasn't something that you could really just walk away from. So whenever um, great news was coming, to people. You would expect this news of the coming king, you'd expect uh, someone of royalty to be told, but I here, here we see um, it's these humble shepherds and they're thrilled and you can see um, by their reaction they run with haste to where Mary and Joseph and the baby are. And I, I almost imagine them just dropping their shepherd staffs and running towards the city. Um, and yeah. then the other part of that, I'm sorry, the other say, part of that is I, the angels. No, right, we'll, right. But we'll go keep ahead. Going. Sorry. Well, you go ahead. Sorry.
1: I was going to say that, I, uh, first of all, I thought it was interesting as you were reading that, that you can't, it's hard to find a place to stop because it's such a great story. Uh, and you just kind of want to keep going with it. Um, but when we think about a full-time job, we think about a job that we do 40 hours a week. Then um, that's not shepherding. Shepherding was, th- that, that was what you were doing. Like You you may have a bite to eat, but you're still shepherding. Uh, you may, you know, whatever, you, whatever it is, there's no 15-minute break. There's no lunch hour. Um, it was very much inclusive. And so them, as you say, dropping their staff, is, and I picture it the same way, and just hurrying uh, to, to go and witness this thing that they've been told about, it's, it's, it's a much more stark thing than we probably would realize in our, li- in our lives
0: because it was more important than anything they had ever seen or heard. And I think, you know, that in itself is hard to to uh, put against your own life sometimes. You get so wrapped up in the everyday. And here we have an example of men who understood that this, nothing else mattered. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to see that. And then you have the other part of this, that's the angels. Um Angels come down, you know. First off, they come down. Almost, it's almost like they can't help but come down and express this this great news. And um, they come down with great joy, and they sing, "Glory to God in the highest, and earth and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased." And you have this big chorus, and uh, it's just so cool to see that there's just this joy like overflowing out of these people for all for the the news of the birth of the Savior. So I find that interesting here. That's that's in this section. And then as you jump forward a little bit in the chapter, uh, it says when the time of purification came according to the law of Moses, that would have been about forty days. Well it would have been forty days after his birth. So they would have gone to the temple for that. And Um, Here at the temple, they run into a couple of people, and the first one of those is Simeon. His name is Simeon, and in verse 25, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, and he came in the Spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law he that is Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said lord now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the gentiles and for the glory for your, for glory to your people israel and his father and mother marvelled at what he what was said about him and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother behold this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed so I hear I get this man that just almost comes up to them out of nowhere and expresses this great joy over the the work that Jesus will do with his life um,
1: and what you see it, that I think gives you some insight as to why Simeon was so joyful is he had been waiting for the consolation of Israel there in verse 25. He was looking forward to this moment. Uh, and so he was, when when that moment came, he met that moment with all the appropriate joy and excitement and fervor uh, because he had been looking forward to it for such a long time.
0: Yeah, great thought. And then the next person that we see them encounter is this prophetess named Anna. Um, and this is someone who says, well, there's just a couple of verses. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day and coming up that very hour she began to give thanks to god and speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of jerusalem so it's like the moment that jesus steps into the temple anna comes sees him and starts telling people about him and what he's going to do Um, i think it it's just so powerful that uh, people have such a strong movement towards that and like you brought up with simeon it seems that she too was waiting for this this same thing and uh, was anticipating it and was ready for it when it came.
1: Yeah, I think when you look in verse 38 and it says that she she goes and she speaks to all those who were waiting for the redemption of Israel or the redemption of Jerusalem, she obviously knew who those people were. I, I kind of, reading between the lines, feel like there was this group of people who often talked about this, about the redemption of Jerusalem and constellation of Israel as we read about with Simeon. Uh, So she probably knew the party uh, that she was going to go and share this news with initially. I imagine her running to them and saying, you know, that moment that we've been waiting for, that we've been looking forward to is here. And there's just so much excitement about that.
0: Yeah. And she didn't, uh, I like that you said she ran to them. She didn't text them. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) That's a, I would say a uh, downfall of our communication today is Mm -hmm. that, it can be somewhat impersonal sometimes but so i think these are some good examples of joy so now i'd i'd like to kind of shift and challenge us how how are we called to show joy because i do think that we we should show joy about these kinds of things and we know that in galatians 5:22 when paul lists the fruits of the spirit the second fruit of the Spirit that he lists, this is something that should come from us, is joy. So this is something that we should be exhibiting. And as we look at these examples of people, and we try to apply it to us, what I'd, what I'd, the, the question I would like to pose is, why were they so joyful?
1: for the individuals that we've looked at previously um in this episode it, they were they were so in tune it seems with what they expected spiritually like you know the shepherds when they hear that news they don't have to ask the angels what are you talking about you know they don't have to ask the angels why, why would we need a savior like then none of those things are questions um i get the feeling that they've they've spent enough time whether individually or in conversation with others, that this was part of their lives. And, and John, you know, I've had this conversation, maybe not in episodes, but just personally a lot. That one of the problems Christians have is we tend to make, we tend to compartmentalize our Christianity. That it just, it's something we do a couple times a week, but it's not who we are. And maybe if we're looking for reasons why we don't have the same sort of joy that we see exhibited here, it's because we've not opened ourselves to it. It's not as big a part of our lives. You know, like Simeon and Anna and the people that they spoke to, we are also anticipating something from God. We're anticipating salvation and not the redemption of a country or a city, but the redemption of all humankind. Um, Maybe we don't talk about that enough. Maybe we don't let that be something we meditate on enough.
0: I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that's the heart of the problem, is the stuff that you spend time focusing on is what you tend to care about, and if you're not, if you're not deeply invested in God's word, then you, you may not have a, a good understanding of how much He's really done for us.
1: I think that what you, the way you said that was really interesting. that you said the things that we spend time on is what we care about, and it's not the other way around. We don't spend time on the things well, we we generate our care, our interest in something because we spend so much time on it, not the other way around, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So for example, like if you pour yourself into I don't know Woodworking. Um, huh? Woodworking. Woodworking. That's a good. That's a nice <laughs> innocuous example. Um, then you'll be really excited about woodworking. That's just what you that's a big part of who you are. Um But it probably doesn't go the other way around, you know. You don't just like, I love woodworking. I'm going to go spend tons and tons of time on it. It's it's becomes something that you get interested in. Um, If we spend more time, just, you know, just give it a shot, you know. (laughs) Have those conversations and see where it leads you. Um, We might find that we, we are much more interested and care much more about these spiritual things.
0: I like that you drew that analogy and pointed that out. And I think that really kind of hits at the heart of what I want to get to is can we exhibit the same kind of joy that these people did? Because I think so often we think about um, these people that we read about and the historical record, and we think, well, yeah, they were, you know, Simeon had the Holy Spirit, Anna was a prophetess. I can't exhibit that much joy. These guys saw angels, (laughs) I can't exhibit that much joy. I can't do this. Yes, you can. It it comes down to how much, how much uh, you consider these good things and understand what God has done for you. And we see that uh, we see different examples in the. So we were looking into joy before this, and there's tons of examples of joy throughout the Scripture. Uh, one one Psalm that I. Uh, would like to read really quick, or just a piece of it, is Psalm 33. Just the first part of Psalm 33 it says, Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright. And all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. So really, the reason for joy here by the author is what's stated in verses 4 and 5, talking about the steadfast love of the Lord and how it never ceases.
1: You know, you said that we, we tend to think that people in the Bible had some sort of unfair advantage of being more spiritual or more joyful in this instance. you know, So many Psalms were written by David, um, and a lot of them do express a lot of joy or faithfulness uh, in God. But when you read the story of David, David enveloped himself um, in a relationship with God. That was the big differentiating factor between him and King Saul is... Saul would only turn to God when he absolutely had to, and David turned to God consistently all the time. Um, and so, yeah, he has sort of dove in headfirst, and it, so it's not really a surprise to me when I think of it that way that he wrote so many, so many of the Psalms because that was who he was.
0: When we look at New Testament examples um, in Second or in First Thessalonians and. Um, we won't we won 't read it, but in verses uh, in chapter two, first Thessalonians chapter two verse nineteen to twenty, Paul references the Thessalonian people as his joy um, because of how much he appreciates them and um, so here you can see you can be the source of someone's joy too, with the way that you act and another interesting Example is uh, James chapter 1 verse 2. This one you you probably are familiar with, but in James chapter 1, and I don't want to misquote it, in the second verse, one of the first things he says after his introduction, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Uh, This is a little bit of a different tune, but, you know, not everything is going to be joyful in your life. And I think sometimes you have to realize that uh, the overarching power of God and the love of God that he's given us, um, there's nothing that can defeat it. And that should bring you joy in everything that you do.
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone encounters a trial, has a hard time and says, ooh, goody, this is going to be great. But um, a very in-tune spiritual person may say, I can't wait to see how God is glorified in this. I can't wait to see how I can be a part of that.
0: Okay, anything else before we wrap this one up? No, sir. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope.
1: Thank you for joining us, Where There Is Hope. It is our goal to share the hope and joy that we find in scriptures with you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can email us at wtihope at gmail.com. Lamentations 3.24, The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him.